What's up, everybody? Good to have you here today. Uh, we're excited to have you with us. Uh, we're going to talk about some really great content today, so just hang on to your seats and uh, we're, and buckle right up because we're going to get right into it today. Uh, you know, I am a, uh, a proponent of everybody being able to speak their opinion. I, I really am. I've always been that guy that said, you know what? Have your opinion. Own your own what you're saying, own what you're doing and, and go with it. Like, if you really feel strongly about it and you really st- feel convicted about it, then own that, you know, uh, whether it's holiness or Armenianism or Calvinism or, you know, wh- whatever your, whatever your opinion is, hold strong to it. If, if you have a good foundation to base it off of, and, uh, I'm not a big debater, I mean, I, I can debate and I will debate when time is given, but oftentimes, uh, <clears throat> debates are circled around, um, man-made theology and man-made ideology. And, and that is where, that is where we miss, uh, our experience with Jesus as a whole. And today's topic, I want to talk about two things the, the first, we're going to talk about, uh, spiritual warfare, demonic stuff, demons, devils, uh, possession, oppression, and, uh, kind of go to bat, uh, for some of my friends and, and, uh, and then, and I'm also, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the difference in ideologies, uh, and across evangelicalism, because I see this as a, a major issue as we go forward. Uh, down the the rabbit hole that is um, Christianity in the 21st century. Um, you know we are we are broadening this we're broadening the scale of what we call truth and annihilating uh, the facts and the experiences that we've had and we've encountered. You know. If you look at the Bible as a whole, it is an experience-laden book. Uh, People experienced God throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. uh, And not only did they experience Him, they felt Him in unique and unusual ways. Whether that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking into a fiery furnace and coming out unscathed. Whether that's Daniel being put in the lion's den. Whether that's Philip being translated. Whether it's Elijah being translated. uh, Whether it's Jonah in the whale. Whether it's tongues of fire in Acts the second chapter. Whether it's the chains falling off of Paul and Silas in the jail cell as they sing praise to God, whether it's the striking dead of Ananias and Sapphira by God under a grace filled ideology, we see people experiencing this for the first time. And what we have done in the 20th century church is we have excused away supernatural things and we've tried to put them on a plate of evil and the problem is is it becomes problematic for the people that are against the supernatural because 
once they start trying to debunk the supernatural, then they start using the supernatural to be the what debunks. Well, tongues are of the devil. Tongues are a language of the devil. Well, you don't believe in demonic. You don't believe in in demonic oppression and deliverance, and so that can't be the case. So you you fight up against you fight you're you're double minded in that and that ideology. Like you you can't because one minute you're saying that tongues is of the devil, the next minute you're saying that uh, that it's now a, a demonic entity speaking through someone. So what is it? Now these are these are Christians. Now you're now you're judging someone's Christianity based on your experience uh, and based on your ideology, not a truth doctrine. So so what we do is is we 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 tip the scales in favor of of how we want to. I, I've been guilty of this, and I think other ministers have been guilty of this. We we tip the scales to to, to our favor. Instead of looking at everything on a balanced scale. And so today I just really want to, to dive in and talk about this. And so <clears throat> the first thing I want to talk about today is, is the, the use of deliverance in the church and how it applies to today and how it applies to the New Testament. Um, and, and, and when we see Jesus do things that we really didn't see him do in the Old Testament... Uh, it's it's unique to us because now we should pattern our lives after that. Because what Jesus did, we should do. Because the whole acumen behind the word Christian is to be Christ-like, to be a believer, to be a follower of Christ. Do as I did, say as I said. He he never he never said what I do, don't do also. He said what I do, you shall do also. And. We want to we want to cut that off right there. We want to cut the power of the anointing of Jesus off because then people start saying, "Well, now you're trying to be Jesus. Now you're trying to be no. I'm just trying to be like Jesus." You know, th- there's so many scriptures that I could throw at you that talk about and lean to the the ability of us being supernaturally uh, appointed once we are a believer. To do these things, and so that is that that argument is old, and so uh, so let me state this: I do not believe at all that Christians can be possessed by the devil. If if you are possessed by the devil, then you're not a Christian. That just just plain out and out truth. It's heresy to say, okay, this person is full of the devil, but they're a Christian. No, this is where you have to understand. The levels of demonic value and who they are. If the kingdom of God is made up like an army, then the kingdom of Satan is also made up like an army. Everything that God does, Satan has a illiterate version of, a, a broken version of, a, a evil version of. And he's going to do what he can. But here's the thing about Satan's army. They are not ever in disagreement about what they're doing. But the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is always in disagreement because we want our agenda to be passed. We want our agenda to go forth. And we want to constantly bash on each other for what we believe because we're afraid that somehow we're we're reaching in to this ideology of, um, of they're, they're getting too close. Now, I am full scale to the place where I believe that we have to hold prophets accountable. 
we have to hold people that speak prophetic words accountable. We have to hold those that act in deliverance ministry accountable. We can't just let this be a free-for-all. There, there's got to be some accountability. However, you can't just come across with a blanket statement and say, okay, here we are. We are going to not accept deliverance. We're not going to accept tongues. We're not going to accept divine healing because, you know what, that just doesn't fit our narrative. We don't like it. It makes us feel uncomfortable because it puts too much power in our hands or, or puts too, you know makes us prideful. No, no, it doesn't because if you're doing it by which the same manner that the disciples did it, which were the first followers of Christ, who, according to most westernized Christians, whose example we should follow closest, then they were doing all these things, and therefore, if they're doing them, that, that means I should do them. Paul did these things. And, and there's some of you who follow Paul, Paul's writings close, closer than you follow the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and, and it's mind-baffling because you want to hear what Paul has to say, but you don't want to listen to what Jesus had to say. And so, we, you have to understand that there are, there are levels of demonic oppression. So, just, just to key it off, if, if I'm a Christian... And I'm a born-again Christian. I've, I've, I've came to the cross, and I've, I've asked forgiveness. The Bible says if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, the Lord Jesus, and the Romans road, you know it. Everybody that's evangelical knows that, that, that ideology. If they know that, then you're saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Scripture. If... if if you believe that, then you believe that anyone, anytime, that has the right mind frame and the right speech pattern can be saved. So if that's the case, then those people are now sanctified and covered by the blood. The blood now covers all their sin. And what then happens... To the battle that ensues after that. What then happens to the person that is eternally secure who becomes depressed and dependent upon medicine? Are they forgiven? Are they eternally secure even though they are they are abusing uh, uh, pills? They are racked in their mind with they're detained by spiritual entities that are just harassing them on a regular basis. So now what we're saying is, is because of this philosophy and because I believe what Calvin said, and I believe his ideology, which most closely represents that of the Catholic church. And and don't get me wrong. I think eternal security is a beautiful doctrine. I think that the, I think Catholicism liturgy and there is beautiful doctrine. I don't prescribe to it. I don't necessarily believe in it. Uh, I believe there are points that are valid and have very good context to them. But I don't prescribe to that because we we wrestle against entities that are unseen and we fight against devils and demons. And if you tell me that the blood of Jesus, uh, uh, it, it covers my sins, I believe that. It, it is. And when I get Jesus in my heart, he is saving me. He will never leave me more. He always stays with me and I, I never leave me. He's, that's him. But we constantly have these battles where the 
the enemy is trying to pull us away. He's trying to pull us down. He's a stumbling block. He's the thorn in Paul's flesh. Paul never gave into that thorn, but it was there. What happens when we give into that thorn in the flesh? What happens when we give into carnality? What happens when we begin to walk down the, the darkened path of demonic possession? What happens when we begin to be afflicted and attacked by Satan and his minions and we we eventually give ourselves over again to that? I know what you're going to say. Well, you were never really saved then. That is the most insane comment that I've ever heard anyone say. Because if you believe that God's grace is sufficient, if you believe that God loves us so much that he sent us done to die for us, if you believe that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and they've said it with the right heart, and then they go out and they sin, well, then they were never saved. Now you are being the judger. Now you're putting into context the judgment of you are now the judge. You are now the executioner and you are now the jury of this person. So when we put this into context and we sit down and we say, well, there's, you know, they were never really saved. No, they were saved, but they were pulled away with the desires of their flesh because we are human. We are carnal. We are fleshly and we are also spirit. The flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The, weak, the weakness that gives in to the pornography addiction. The weakness that gives in to the drinking addiction. The weakness that gives in to the drug addiction or the lying or the gossiping. All those things, that weakness that pulls us down, takes us away from the, the purity of what it is. And listen to me. I'm not telling you that because you messed up one time, you're failing God and you're going to hell. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this, you cannot tell me that people cannot be attacked and fought by and destroyed once they're Christians and then taken in by the devil after they're saved because they've given in to his works. It's, it's just, it's impossible. It happened to Ananias and Sapphira. It happened to Demas. Look at it. It happened. There's nothing that you can do about it. People's flesh, their humanity, wins over often over their spirituality. That's why God's grace is sufficient through all of our unrighteousness. However, when I become the righteousness of Christ, it's my job now to let the Holy Spirit guide me and lead me in integrity, stay away from those trappings, but it's not until I give into that lust of the flesh to where the argument of oppression, possession, and falling away from, from salvation comes into play. Because I believe it takes a lot for us to move away from the grace of God. Because He never leaves us. But we often pull away from Him. Like a scorned lover, we pull away from Him. And so the first stage of this is the oppressive spirits. There are enemies. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual weakness, high places. You know the scripture. What do you do with that? You just wad that up and throw it away and say, you know what? God's grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. 
But it, we have to be on aware. We have to be on alert of what's going on. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary goes. A, the devil goes about like a, 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 a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have to understand that there is a moment that we have to pay attention to in our walk with Christ. The reason that so many non-spirit-filled, charismatic, non-charismatic, non-Pentecostal, non—you know—don't be, believe in, refuse to talk about deliverance is because it takes them away from an ideology that's safe. Well, I'm eternally secure. So the devil can never bother me. Again, if that's the case, then all I need to do, go down to is go to my local priest, have him tell me what I need to do with my 40 helmet, and I will be right inside of God. You're using an out as opposed to using what's right. Be holy for I am holy. Live right. Well, this is where sanctification and righteousness and justification, they all come into play. And that's not what I'm talking about today. But really what I want to get into is demonic possession. The the start of this comes from a, a place of just pure out and out, like hatred for preachers who preach this stuff. Like it's not, you've got to understand you're not playing you're not playing monopoly with the devil here. You are playing a game of life and death. He wants to destroy you. He wants to hate you. Well, I have power over the devil and I have authority over the You are absolutely right you do. But most of you do not know how to obtain that authority and that power and the devil beats the living crap out of you half the time and you're standing there wondering why you're going through Well, this is just God's this is God's plight in my no it's not God said that you're the head and not the tail he said you're you're above and not below you're an overcomer all things through Christ who strengthens me that's who you are you're not defeated Satan is defeated but what happened is we let him and his minions become the the antithesis of our our downfalls and so what we do is we let in a little bit at a time and eventually it it deteriorates the whole Thing. It's it's the the it's the analogy of the bread. You let a little leaven in, it makes the whole lump, uh, the whole loaf lumpy, and then you know you've got sin in there again. Uh, and and I know that most of you don't want to believe this way. Most of you want to say, you know what? Oh, it's great. Once I found Jesus, I'm okay, and I don't ever have to worry about anything ever again. That's just not scripture. That's not experience. That that's not. It, it's not it's not good sound doctrine, mostly because it was made up by a man named Calvin, who came up with this ideology of Calvinism, which is eternal security. And I know a lot of people will want to argue. Well, what about this scripture? What about this scripture? What about that scripture? You take those scriptures in the one place that they are, and you use them against the total entire Bible of of God's nature of. Reaping and sowing of cause and effect. That's who God is. That's his nature and across the word of God. He's a holy God. That that's who he is. And so he wants holiness. It's like the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. And so 
we use the doctrines that we want to press the issues that we want, but we don't want to talk about anything else. And then, and, and, and then we want to go around and say, oh, this works, that works. No, it, it doesn't work the way you want it to. It works the way that God made it work and how God wants it to work. And you have to, you have to be on board with that. So getting into all that, we, we talk about the, the stages of, of, you know, can Christians be demon-possessed? No, they can't be demon-possessed. They, they cannot. It's, it's, an, it's not a thing. It just Christians can't be demons as isn't that it's it's like doesn't make sense. However, Christians can be oppressed, and and this is where we get into where people get mad because most Christians today are already depressed. They're already on some kind of psycho medicine to keep their to keep their anxiety down, to keep their frustrations down, to keep their stress down because we live in such a stressful world. You know, that's why evangelicals fell in love with Donald Trump and why evangelicals fall in love with Republican core values because they fall in line with an ideology of if we have a leader at the top who has these ideas, then it's easier for me to preserve my Christianity that way. However, if I have an opponent at the top who doesn't meet my ideology, then it becomes harder for me to fight that. And then I can be, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a victim. I'm the one who's going to be under stress. I'm, and so instead of turning to Christ, who is our eternal king, who is our eternal leader, who is who we should be looking to, we look to governmental leaders. We look to, uh, we look to spiritual leaders to be our, 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 our help, our hope. That's why so many Catholics, the Pope, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. They're in love with this guy who's just a man. He can do nothing for them. He's just a man. Every so many years, it's a new Pope. It's a new Pope and he has, well, he has the, he's the representative of Christ. We are all the representatives of Christ. We're all kings and priests. That's the reason they read a different scriptural basis than us. That's why when Martin Luther uh, introduced the Edict of Worms, it messed with their whole society. That's why they were killing people. They didn't want anybody to know. So, I mean, so the, 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 the issue comes here. Here's where the issue comes. The issue comes here. The issue comes in this. If my ideology runs away from what I hold dear then it puts me in a position to where I have to be accountable for my actions. I have to be accountable for my the, the way that I do things. Let me give you a, a I'm going to hit you in the face with something you're not going to like. Jesus is not accountable for your actions. He died for your sin. He didn't die for you committing sin. He died so that you may have eternal life. He didn't die that you can live your life however you want to live. See, that's the difference right there. We hold certain truths. Certain people hold certain truths in in this box and say, no, this is the way it is. No, it's not. I'm sorry. And so... The reason that the preservationist of the ideology of 
There's no supernatural feats in the in the in the scriptures. We can't have the power of divine healing. We can't have the anointing of deliverance. We can't have. They go against that is because then they become accountable for their actions. And God forbid anyone be accountable for their actions, right? God God forbid anyone become accountable for what they believe or what they, you know. Nope. I got to get out of jail free card because I'm eternally secure. So no matter what I do, I'm okay. Eh, I don't know. I don't know if it adds up. I don't know if it's if it's right or wrong. Or, and you don't have to agree. That's the great thing about this. You can listen to this podcast. You can get mad. You can, rent, you can call me a false teacher or a false prophet. You can tell, I mean, you're already doing it. I, and, that, and that's what I, it's, it's what amazes to me. Amazing to me is that I see guys that I, I'm friends with. I see guys that I follow on social media. Guys that I really trust. That are really smart in the word of God. That are really powerful. On opposite sides of the spectrum. Arguing about things that are just, I mean... They're asinine. I mean, we got we got this guy over here who's 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 calling out, you know, ministers of the gospel who are, who are not preaching anything that is that is going to, you know, hinder salvation. They're preaching, you know, this, you know, I believe in deliverance or I believe in healing. Well, my God, do we not serve a God that's that big? So if, if we don't believe in divine healing, then why do we even pray to God for healing? We shouldn't even do that because if God can't divinely heal us, then then why do we trust that God, if I pray to the to the to the God in the sky that's, that nobody sees, or just throwing up prayers there, why would He answer those if He's not going to do this? So so we use God, we use Him and in, in, in where we want Him at. We use Him where we want to plug and play. He's a plug and play God for most of us, and so it hurts the entire. The entire grouping, when we start looking at other guys and other gals who we don't like, and we start saying, okay, they're here, you know, lie, 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 you know, and all they do is attack other people. And and there are certain people, you know, in my experience, uh, on both sides of the coin, who are constantly calling out and causing division and strife. And it's like, come on, guys, you know, we should be working together to better the kingdom of God. You don't believe in deliverance ministry. You don't have to come to my Sunday morning service. You don't have to be a part of the ministry. You know the. You don't have to be a part of what I'm doing. But we can talk together. We can reason together, and we can talk about the blood of Christ. We can talk about the salvation of Jesus, and we can preach the gospel to the sinner. Oh no, that's not important. No, what's important is is that I'm right about deliverance. I'm right about tongues. I'm right about eternal security. Who cares who's right and who's wrong about? matters like this. This is a really, really, really bad look for the church. And so we sit here and we argue these things to a point or we call each other out and we're just like, okay, okay. So saying all that, one, Christians can't be possessed, but oppression is a process of getting someone to possession because all possession is given control. You give something control and you say, okay, here is this. It's yours. You you're you you possess you possess this, and so I'm now yours. I'm now you're now in control of me. Well, oppression is when something sits on you or weighs down on you. Bear ye one another's burdens, fulfill the law. A burden is a weight. Once you get saved, the Bible says there's there's weights. There's there's things that lay on us that we have to 
we have to put aside. We have to lay aside every weight that should so easily be said to run the race that we're in. You can't run a race if you're constantly tripping, you're going to lose. And so as we stand in the as we stand in the pretext of this, we look at this and say if possession is a weight or, or I'm sorry, if, if oppression is a weight, then what are the weights that lead to oppression? And then what at what point does oppression become possession? Okay, what how do we come become oppressed? How do we how do we deal with these weights? Where do these weights come from? They come from things that we don't eradicate out of our life. It's the weight of sin. It's the weight of transgression. Whether it's depression, uh, hatred, bitterness. Let me tell you, I know a whole lot of Christians right now. Give you names, phone numbers that are bitter. They're bitter people. Angry hatred in their heart. They've asked Jesus in their heart. They love Jesus. They live morally, I mean, they live right, morally, scripturally, but they have hatred in their heart and bitterness in their heart. No sin can enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are the processes which begin to bring oppression. Because the battlefield that starts that leads leads allows oppression to come in is the mind. The mind is the place where you begin to fight oppression. Once oppression becomes such a weight on you, it begins to weigh you down to where you give into it. You completely turn over to it when you're done fighting with it. That's why people so often that are you know that they're good people, they're godly, they give into these and they just become. I have a friend. I have a friend who was a minister. He's a preacher. He's a great guy. Loved him to death. Angry. Angry all the time. Angry every time I see him. And to the point to where eventually he gave into it. And now he's all the time. He's just angry all the time. Never has a good thing to say. Always, you know, using foul language, using, you know, words that, that don't edify and glorify Christ. Has he lost his salvation? I don't know. But I know he's being oppressed by something. And eventually that oppression is going to lead to him either falling away from Christ or giving into a spirit that then harasses him until he gives over to it and is possessed by that hatred and bitterness. Because whether you like to believe it or not, hatred and bitterness are spirits. They're spirits that control people. They're generational. They're contextual. They're available. They're right here. And if you want to say, well, no, they're all bound up. No, they're not. They walk around freely. Go go read your Bible. Just go read your Bible. Don't listen to some guy in a pulpit tell you that. that's not true. That's not true. Don't don't just listen to me today. Go get in your Bible and start reading this. Don't get don't go get the the Baptist book on this. Don't go get the Pentecostal book on this. Go read the Bible. Genesis through Revelations. Read it. As if there's no context or any personal persuasion in it. Read it as what it was meant to be, a roadmap for your life. And then you come to a determination on whether this stuff and whether these things are happening in today's society. I'm just, there it is.
I don't like it. Whatever. I, it is what it is. And I know there's people that aren't going to like this. Nobody wants to hear this stuff. There are, I, and, and I, I know I hate disagreeing, but this is just the way it is. And so because of this, because of this doctrinal disagreement, and that's what it is, a doctrinal disagreement, because there's really, it shouldn't be a disagreement because this should be something that Baptists, Pentecostals, Methodists, Lutherans, Catholics all look at and say, yeah, deliverance needs to be something that happens more in the church. It needs to be something that's more expressive in the church and more, well, we don't have the power. Yeah, we do. We do and we can. You just don't want to, again, because it holds us more accountable to sound doctrine than loose doctrine. And so that's, that's that. And so putting that all into perspective, you know, we wonder why so many pastors are falling out of the ministry every week, every month. Oppressive spirits, oppressive contact, things they're going. Adultery, idolatry, they fall in love with themselves, the spirit of pride. All these things, these, these, these are happening on a constant. Go do the research. It's, I'm not just saying this to, so you can hear me talk. I'm saying this to help educate you and, and help you understand, like, look, this is really happening in this moment, in this day. And if we don't do something about it, if we don't come to, if we don't reason together and just, you know, I'm turning you off, you're ridiculous. No, you know what I've done in my lifetime? I have sat with my Baptist brethren. I have sat with my uh, Lutheran brethren. I've sat with my Methodist brethren. I've sat with my Charismatic brethren. I've sat with Catholic brethren. Oh, well, the Catholics aren't going to heaven. They don't, they don't believe in. There's a lot of Catholics that believe you need Jesus to get into heaven. So, yeah, they may not follow all the bells and whistles that you do, but they follow the one main doctrine that should be most important, that Jesus Christ died and that he's the only way to get to heaven. And he sits at the right hand. They don't go to a Catholic. They don't go to a priest for confession. They go to Jesus for confession. So, yeah, there are. There's going to be Catholics in heaven. And if you don't like that, that tough luck. There's probably going to be a whole lot of people in heaven that you don't think are going to be there because your spiritual judgmental attitude keeps you from being open-minded to seeing what God's doing. And, you know, because listen, I don't prescribe to this hyper grace movement. I don't prescribe to, uh, you know, just, you know, freely live in any way you want to live. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't prescribe to pastors getting on the internet and saying, Oh, we had 150 people come to Christ today and your church is still only a hundred members. And it was a hundred members before that. And no churches in your community grew because somebody raised their hand and said they said a prayer. No, we've, we've got to get back to like altar calls, like people really confessing their sins, making a statement of faith. He said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father who is in heaven. I mean, come on. It's right there in black and white. Read, read the Bible. That's, that's all I'm asking you to do is read the Bible. You know, take away your 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 Bible school ideology. Take away your... Your, your 30 second theology, your internet ideas, and listen to what the Bible is saying. The whole word of God rightly divided. So that brings us to this last part. Why are we arguing so much? And we'll get into more than on the next podcast. I'm going to talk some more about demons and devils and deliverance. And, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not the foremost expert on this. I know a lot of guys that have more, uh, more information than I do contextually on, deliverance, which, you know, Hey, I think is really good. You know, there's a, we need more information on this matter because listen, there is a lot of information that is yet to be given 
uh, that, that is yet to be explored in the word of God. You know, that's the one thing about me that I can tell you that the word of God is ever expounding and, and, and uh, ever blowing my mind on a daily basis because there's something new, you know, the Bible, you know, they're renewed with the morning and, and that's exciting to me. And, uh, you know, I, if you don't get excited about that, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you should be excited about the idea that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You know, that's, that's exciting. This is the whole idea is exciting. So, um, so we'll get more into that, uh, on the next podcast and, uh, we'll go more through that. And so I, I just, I pray that this doesn't hit on your summers. And I, I, I was going to go into a couple other topics, but this is, this is really drawn out today and it took a little longer than I wanted to. And I try to keep my podcast 35 minutes or so. And, um, I'm going to really try to start doing some, um, social media minutes on a few topics, just one minute blurbs about stuff that might find interest. So if you want to follow me, on Facebook, Victor Lawwell, uh, at Victor Lawwell on Facebook. Um, I don't have uh, Instagram and I don't have Twitter, so I apologize. And you can follow me on here if you want. Um, you know, I'm Anchor Podcast. I'm, you can find me on Apple. You can find me on Google, uh, the Google App Store. So lots of good things. So listen, I love you guys. I'm praying for you. Um, if you have any questions, comment and comment below in the comment section and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get it together. So God bless you. I love you. Have a great day.